Hello there, it's Jamila Jamel. Take a deep breath. Let your breath out slowly to the count of six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Do you feel better? Well, on my podcast, I Weigh, this month we'll be exploring ways to tackle mental health and feel better with guests like Simon Sinek from The Optimism Company, therapist Vienna Farron, comedian Neil Brennan, and many more. Listen to I Weigh wherever you get your podcasts. Help Me Be Me is self-help for people who hate self-help, hosted by me, Sarah May. What I talk about on my show is my personal opinion, and it's not a substitute for professional help. Take what helps and leave the rest. Even if you are not an athlete, hydration is super important. I remember doing softball training and having the gnarliest cramps, and it was one of those moments that I was like, please let this never happen to me again. Well, Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. And none of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. Element is so sure you will love their product and come back for more. They are offering you a free Element sample pack. That's eight single serving packets free. Just cover the cost of shipping, which is $5 for U.S. customers. Get your drinks at drinkelement.com slash helpmebeme. Get yours at drinklmnt.com slash helpmebeme. This deal is not available on their regular website. You must go to drinklmnt.com slash helpmebeme. If you are a woman in the ages 18 plus, I would say it's extra important to not ignore gaps in your diet. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin was formulated by exhaustive research to help fill nutrient gaps in the diets of women ages 18 plus. I know this has nothing to do with how well it works, but it's also really pretty. (laughs) I like whenever I take it, I enjoy taking it because I'm like, these are gorgeous vitamins. And I also trust it because there was a clinical study done in leading scientific journal, Frontiers in Nutrition. And a published clinical study is a big deal. It's a serious commitment to a first-of-its-kind standard in the industry. Right now, Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash helpmebeme and turn healthy habits into a ritual. That's 10% off at ritual.com slash helpmebeme. Hi friends, it's Sarah May, and this is an episode all about jealousy and envy, and it's really for allowing yourself to let your creativity unfold. And I would say envy and being resentful of where someone else is and what they have um, really just hinders our path of making some, on, on that path of making something that is of value and like is a something that we care about that is an expression of our inner selves. So we can get into that sick feeling of envy, kind of like where you are obsessed or you're fixated or you're distracted by someone else and what they are doing, what they have, what you think they shouldn't have but do have, or even what you wish you had already done but haven't done yet. And this is the kind of feeling that we do not want to have. We really hate it, but it can make you angry and kind of capture your focus. So if that's something you're working on, 
this is an episode for you. And I would say this is also specifically helpful, I think, for anyone who is painfully sensitive, like myself. It can be almost scary to put your heart on the line, like almost sickening to care about something you have created because it's it's so visceral to have this nerve exposed, you know? But I would say it's a greater loss to not create, to not use your voice. And when we are able to use our voices, we can put our lives in a greater context. Like we can we can actually tell our story in whatever form that's taking, you know? And I, I mean, tell your story, like whether that's a song or whether that's uh, creative writing or whether that's um, dance or fill in the blank. Like all of that is really giving your your inner inspiration um, a form and it really helps us to just integrate into our our personal lives you know and it, it also gives us purpose and that feeling of worthiness and joy that does not come from any other thing in life and I'm speaking of all mediums of self-expression all practices so with that There are three parts to this episode, the what, the why, and the how, the tools. And as you listen to this, um, just a heads up, the sponsors section will come right before I go into part three, the how, the tools. Part one, the what. When you continually go into a state of comparison, specifically feeling jealous of someone else, And usually this comes about when we notice someone with some kind of overlap to us and we see them as um, either higher or lower. So we might see them as impossibly great, like we put them on a pedestal or we see them, we put ourselves on a pedestal and we see them as undeserving. And on the other side of the coin of this feeling is um, us wanting to give ourselves a sense of control over a feeling. I will also say that you could have this experience of comparison because you are in a marginalized group and you have quite literally been overlooked and discriminated against. And that is its own pain. It's like a separate pain because it's something that's inflicted upon you and maybe that means, you know, because of your race, your gender identity, you are in an older age group or you have a disability, whatever it is, this thing has caused you to be overlooked by others or your skills and talents are not seen. And that, that pain, maybe it's a, you're a person of color, that pain of literally being unseen in many creative opportunities or many professional opportunities builds up over time and can can you can turn it in on yourself it can cause like its own sense of unworthiness and resent toward others who do not suffer in the same way and I will also say this set of feelings could be caused by the content of the work itself you know um By that I mean like sometimes we'll see another person's work and we will say, I was going to do that. Or we will look down on it and we'll feel resentful of it because we know we could do that and we think I could have done it better. Or we already had the idea 
whatever it is, we experience someone else's success as a burn on our lives. Like it, it can enrage and, and, and torture you, almost like causing you to lose the ability to be creative and feel expansive. So all of these energies, all of these symptoms are the exact inverse energy to feeling empowered, creative, of being able to tune into your flow state, you know, into your greatest strengths, like just being able to express your individual personality. They cause us to constrict. And I would say when we get into that kind of constricted, like reductive energy, that's when we feel like it's pointless. Like we lose the, the, the flame. It's, it's like you can get into that mindset of like, well, what's the point of why should I even try feeling like we're not going to get, you know, the, the outcome of acclaim or we're not going to get the, the award or whatever the thing is. We start to fixate on the eventual outcome versus um, the creative process. So all of this that I've described is kind of stunting to our creative voice and it's paralyzing it's anti-creative to be in this stance and I would also say it's blinding because we cannot see as well our our creative merits when we're in this kind of negative emotional place what it's like is like it removes our power it's kind of like you know we take we actually can do this to ourselves like we take our ember of creativity like we it's almost like we remove it from our chest and we move it outwards and it's like we see you know those like deep water fish that have the lanterns that hang in the front of their heads it's kind of like we do that with our creativity emotionally we start to say like well is this good is it worth doing can I possibly win so this is like an external thing versus being embodied and feeling that creativity in that when it's in us it's more like do I like this is this what it wants to be is this how I want to sing is this what I want to say so it's almost like um in the negative feeling we remove it from our body and we put it outside of ourselves and instead we are unable to bring forth newness you know so it's like instead of being able to squish the clay down and begin again once more in our creative process we're instead saying like, well, but that's already been done. That sculpture's already been done, if that makes sense. Which brings me to part two, the why. When we are fearful and judgy, I would say that's the other side of the coin of vulnerability and sensitivity. And this is a, a way for us to feel more safe and protective and also inactive. So instead of the pain of paralysis, we may feel the power that comes from controlling, from judging. It's like giving a, a new, more empowering set of rules to the feelings, the feelings of powerlessness. It's like saying, I'm not active because of this. It's like we, when something feels overwhelming or impossible or intimidating, it's really, um, it's much easier to tolerate that fear by saying, it's this thing's fault and we whatever our I think of it as like um almost like a a board game we're giving rules to how we can manage the fear and oftentimes that's with comparison to others like that is how we control a feeling of being less than 
And the origin of the feeling is kind of old. And I would say a lot of us, it's kind of our go-to way of coping with that, that specific kind of pain. We resume this comfortable state, quote unquote, of fear and lack. And I say that because it's weirdly comfortable. It feels familiar. It feels natural. And therefore we fall into this trap and practice thoughts and feelings from within this state. And it's obviously not an enjoyable feeling because we don't like to be in the state, but it's something that a lot of us got used to feeling, you know, mostly as I would say teenagers, it's, it's like a mind trap and we can get lost here again. And just, it feels because it's familiar, it feels justified. So we, we trust the feelings and we say, I don't know, I don't care enough to try. I'm not that passionate about it. All of these labels, you know, these old labels. And a lot of the feelings of fear and worry take the form in our emotional mind's eye of a lack of passion. So we may misinterpret the paralysis in, that we feel, like that lack of action. We, we translate that into, oh, it must mean I have a lack of interest. And because that's how it feels, you know, it's like it feels like having no energy. But that feeling is just not being able to flow, not being comfortable enough, safe enough to flow. And what we really need to do in that moment of feeling is create uh, through just logic, you know, create comfort, create safety and create freedom and justification for ourselves to resume a state of flow. So in order to get there, what I do is build like a logic map, you know, really comprehend what is happening and why our fears logic is bunk and ridiculous. And then we also need to get our juices flowing so we can be inspired. And it, <laughs> I'm going to refer to pooping a lot in this episode because it's very similar. It's just like pooping. It's like a perfect set of conditions that allow us to relax enough to let go. <laughs> So sorry if you're eating your lunch right now, but firstly, I just wanted to address the bunk logic of fear and less than. It's preposterous to think it's too late to do anything you want to do. It's also preposterous to think if someone else is similar to you and that they are successful, that they have taken anything from you because the value in your story is in that it is yours and the way you tell it is what makes it good. The energy of fear and lack and too late, those things are what block us from creation, from productivity, from flow. And that is the energy to we have to unclench from and back away from. The energy of fear and worry and scarcity is what is antagonistic to all bounty and love and spirit. And that is key. That is the core of creativity. So what we really need to do is get into that vein and tap into the force that moves us. Which brings me to part three, the how, the tools. And now a word from our sponsors. Part three, the how, the tools. So these are tools for getting into that energy that allows you to be creative and productive from that inner part of yourself. And I would say that is the hardest part of yourself to access when you are taxed or not feeling safe and confident. I always like to think of the creative self as a sphincter. Yep. We're talking about pooping again because it's a similar bodily feeling. Like it has conditions that require emotional support. And I would say 
if you're working on allowing this creative cre- creative energy to come forth and working on insecurity, it all begins by creating that safety, that emotional support, that environment, so to speak. And change really comes down to at at the very beginning just having a genuine intention. And as with any self-work, you start with a goal and you mean it. And the rest is a process of organic unfolding. So same with this situation. A lot of it comes down to teaching your body to reorient in the face of a trigger or a triggering thought or triggering reaction. And we practice our new intention wholeheartedly. And that is how we grow into a person that we want to be with the feelings of that person as well. But we have to first teach ourselves just how to be brave, basically, like by practicing tolerating. It's kind of like exposure therapy in that when you are trying to get over a phobia, you want to, one form of therapy is to literally tolerate the thing that you're terrified of by just being around that thing and being terrified. And then you learn how to tolerate it. Um, so with that, here are some tools in all different areas for growing that sense of creative freedom. All right, the first tool is called readdressing triggers. So this is for teaching your body to tolerate the feelings of painful jealousy or or painful lack and kind of reorient to them by reframing. So basically seeing what is underneath and practicing passing these feelings, almost like you're passing a, a kidney stone or like you're passing cramps, you know, with breath and we can we can self-soothe through that process. So in the moment, next time you experience kind of that, you know, deadening feeling of lack or less than or jealousy, in that moment, just become aware of it and then deliberately practice forming a new intention in your mind. And these, just to be clear, this works whether or not you mean it or not. So this is the intention you would bring to, to your mind. I deserve to have a voice. My personal expression is valid. I deserve to have success. Whatever the thing is that you're personally addressing, like obviously tailor the intention to that. So um, I have nothing to be worried about. I have nothing to be fearful of. I um, appreciate this person's efforts. What they have done is beautiful too. Whatever it is, we're kind of doing the inverse of whatever the feeling is that's triggered in our body. I personally came around a lot on what some people call mantras or practicing intentions. Why? Because they very much work whether or not we actually believe them in the moment. Like whether we feel invested in it at the moment or not, you can actually, um, you can still be in that fear state or a state of doubt where you don't believe there will be a positive outcome. But if you just simply set the intention in your mind's eye, um, you are actually teaching yourself out of the original thought. Just by choosing to go another direction, by even uttering it in your mind, it still is a very powerful action. It still is very effective. I don't know why, but it is, and it's amazing. So in that moment, all that matters is you step stop and step back in the moment of the ingrained thought and intend 
for an opposite one that is positive. So by step back, I mean you're going to come into that silent room space like that is the back of your eyelids or the blackness that is you in your brain minus that nonstop chattering of thought. So that's what I mean by step back. Just you're coming into that moment of emptiness in your, in your brain. So first step, step back. Second step, repeat whatever intention or mantra, whatever deliberate thing you are choosing to yourself in thought or even aloud. And then at the same time, just take a deep breath. That's it. And that just these little really simple things, we are teaching ourselves tolerance and also disengaging from an ingrained expectation or an ingrained reaction. We're teaching ourselves to go in a different way. All right, next tool, comparing equals controlling. I think this is a really helpful reframe for teaching yourself out of comparison. As soon as you begin to do this, like I want you to just, so let's say your brain starts to go into a state of comparing yourself to somebody else, thinking about why you're less than, thinking about why it's too late or whatever it is, just come back to a logical understanding of what that actually is. We have, what I do often is just remind myself, oh, there I go, I'm controlling. We're controlling a state of fear by overlaying bunk logic atop of it. So it's really about coming into that logic in the moments you are in that state of comparison and just being able to, it's almost like we can let go of it for a second. Like we're like, oh, that's all it is. So in that moment, what you think you are experiencing is a pe- like some sort of envy. You might, or you might be doing what I call pedestaling, thinking I'm better than that person. I'm funnier that, than that person. If only I had started younger, I would be where they are. Or I am XYZ. Who do they think they are? Whatever it is. That logic is predicated on the idea that you have any overlap with another human being and that your value somehow is hinged on theirs when it does not. In that moment, I want you to turn it around. So in that moment, I want you to turn it around. And by that, I mean just see it from the other side of what it actually is coming from. When we are angry, resentful, or judgy, it's a direct clue into how we are we treat ourselves. And that's like, oh, wow, I don't want to treat myself like shit. In many ways, you can think of it like it's really when you're being judgy towards someone else, it's like, do I want that kind of energy and attitude in my person, in my body? in my life? No, it's not healthy. It's not inspiring. It's really toxic. And it's also limiting. It's small minded. It's also not logical. You know, should anyone in the world not express love? No. Should anyone in the world not sing? No. Is your voice valid and beautiful just because it's yours? Yes. I'd like to hear you sing. Whatever song that happens to be, I would like to hear it. If it makes you happy and you are called to do it, I would like it to exist. I think the rest of the world would agree. Unless they are driven or captured by that sickness that is judginess. So if you are judgy, just remember, whatever is coming out of you is also constantly coming back on yourself. And that is a reason to rethink it and basically remind yourself of like, oh, I don't actually want this at all. This is super unhelpful 
to me as a creative and talented person. This is a very destructive energy and I'm going to let go of it because it's not helping me. All right, the next tool, is this an on button or an off button? I think another way to think about a feeling or an attitude or a thought process is to ask yourself whether or not it makes you feel expanded and energized or closed and stunted and small. And you can ask that about individuals in your life, practices in your life, content you consume in your life. If something you are doing, you are consuming, does not make you feel inspired and stronger and more expansive and uplifted and a more positive version of yourself, then I would say just to be aware of it and to keep it in its box. And by that, I mean, it needs to be contained and handled carefully with the appropriate emotional gloves, so to speak. It doesn't mean you can't be around your mom, for example, if she's like super judgy or whatever. It just means you have to be aware of what it does to you and be able to prep accordingly by giving yourself the appropriate context around that thing, you know? So getting those invisible protective goggles on and, you know, keeping it brief, deflecting, 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 whatever, focusing on the mom scenario here, but like however you can reiterate to yourself how you choose to feel about any feedback or any interaction before you enter said interaction. But just, I think it's a great way to filter all that you curate in your life. Is this expanding me or is this making me feel small? And, and be very deliberate about what you ingest. All right, the next tool, the obstacle odyssey or going over what's wrong. So I want you to ask yourself whenever you are I think a lot of the time we get we start to create scenarios in our head and like tell ourselves exactly what the outcome of even trying something is going to be and we'll like say well I can't do that because this is going to happen and like I don't even have this going for me and we have these extreme um, narratives that like just create this whole future that doesn't exist and it's it's usually in the case of um, talking ourselves out of something. So in those moments, I want to ask yourself, you to ask yourself, what is the reality and where am I creating something that absolutely does not exist and won't necessarily exist? Because we weave so many stories about obstacles that are not actually real obstacles in our present lives. And a lot of the time we are actively striving to construct a problem that does not exist in reality. So we will not have to take a risk. That thought process is so common in the face of not wanting to get hurt. And it feels totally rational in the moment. It, the, the, like, the thought narrative of, oh, I can't because I'm going to have this problem. I'm going to have that problem. I don't have these resources. I don't have blah, blah, blah. Is really just the fear of vulnerability, a fear of putting ourselves out there, of trying hard and getting our hearts hurt. So just in that moment, I just want you to, as soon as you have, have like a scenario involving future obstacles, just remind yourself, oh, I have so much fear of getting hurt. I have so much fear of pain. And oh yeah, this is just my brain trying to talk me out of this scenario because I'm afraid of getting hurt. And 
it's not really that it's as impossible as we think it is. It's all of those things are probably not going to happen at all. It will be totally different than whatever you're anticipating. Whenever I do this exact thing, it's a way for me to remind myself like, oh, I, it's genuinely very possible. The thing I'm worried about is probably way more doable and actionable and feasible than whatever narrative I'm creating right now, just because I'm like, I'm a little freaked out. I'm a little worried. All right. The next tool, brain traffic or the doing of the things versus doing a thing. So this is a tool for overwhelm. I think a lot of us creative people have this overwhelm in the face of creating things that we care about. And I think I know I personally get paralyzed by worry over whether or not I can make something good enough with the energy and the amount of stuff I have on my plate. And that's when I start to get panicked. And I think a lot of us get the, that feeling of panic and it causes us to procrastinate because we are seeing everything at once. We're, we're so overcome by all the things. And this perception is what I want you to logically back away from. Because seeing everything at once is false. It's an illusion. So in that moment, what we have to do is take a breath and back up. And you may at times in your creative lives or professional lives get totally overwhelmed and paralyzed by the tasks that are ahead of you. But in that moment, I can, you can think of it like you are, you know, I don't know if you've had the experience of being in tr like on a highway, you're, the traffic is flowing and suddenly there is like a foreshortened turn in the road, like a bend in the road or the height of the road changes. And it's like everyone can see all of the cars and they look super condensed just because of the vantage point and everyone stops everyone slows down because we think oh my god there's so many cars there's so many so many there's so much congestion what are we going to do when in reality we could have just kept driving going with the flow it's like there was no need to slow down and freak out so in the moment you start to feel totally overwhelmed i want you to again just take pause step back and examine what your body is currently doing um, so, you know, I mean, literally in that moment, what is your body currently doing? You are probably, I don't know, eating something for lunch. Maybe you are, uh, chopping vegetables, prepping dinner. Maybe you are walking somewhere, whatever it is, just observe that and sit and say, oh yeah, I'm just doing this one thing. I'm just walking to an elevator. I'm just chopping the vegetables. And that is how you will continue to do all things. Even, you know, next week and the week after that, you will always only be doing one thing. At any given time, you're doing one thing, and then you're doing another thing, and then you're doing another thing. And that is all that you need to do ever. And that is the experience you will have of all of the things on your to-do list. So whenever you see that foreshortened street that is the future of your life, remember, you are only going to do one thing at a time. And when you do that one thing at a time, it'll be just fine. You'll be doing a thing. And then you'll do another thing. And after that, you'll do another thing. And you will absolutely be able to do it. And it will take much less time than you think it will take. If with minus the anxious worry emotions and the overwhelm, panic, stress emotions. 
And let's say you cannot do all of those things, then you will just not. And that will just be true. That will be the way it is. It's not good or bad. It just is the truth of what is possible. The end. Doesn't mean you're a bad person. Doesn't mean you failed. It just is literally true. Whatever is possible for you to do, you will do. And you will not do past that. The end. It's not good or bad. It just is. And this is a way we can practice non-attachment or kind of like jumping to an outcome and beating ourselves with it, if that makes sense. Um, I hope that all made sense. All right, next tool, frame for my creative soul. So this is a tool for learning to see the process as the goal and the gold versus the outcome. I think for a lot of people, the goal is always the outcome, like the accolade, the end. When in reality, we are participating in something holy and otherworldly as it comes into our lives, like meaning our creativity. So this is the magic. This is the amazing part. And so this is the frame by which we can place value over something in our life and really just savor the process of creating and being yourself and being in tune with yourself and being able to dance, you know, whether or not something comes of it is beside the point, whether or not other people get what makes what we make is besides the point, whether or not we are able to win or complete the thing even also has nothing to do with its merit. The process of creation is what gives it merit. Like how into it you get, how you feel making it. And when you can really accept this ahead of time and embrace that and know that the end game is not the reason to make something and we can see the outcome as almost, you know, a byproduct. It's a, it's neutral information. It's separate from its value. It's not good or bad. It's not a judgment on your worth. Just by reframing that in our minds, then we can relieve ourselves of so much of the unnecessary pain that is born of just the heightened pressure and expectation we may have over something, you know? I think a lot of us who are perfectionistic, um, and a lot of that comes from culture, you know, we feel overwhelmed by expectation, which stunts our actual ability to channel the, the creative source, you know, and get into our flow state. So this is just an invitation to reframe this whole process in yourself, you know, and just see that the moment of stress in that moment of stress, like, and pressure, just remind yourself that, that whatever happens to it is not good or bad. And your creativity, your voice, if we allow it to flow, it will flow and it will be created one step at a time. As soon as we lump the expectation and overwhelm onto ourselves around what the outcome must be, we have hindered the creative voice. So it's really about respect. It's about respecting the process as the soul of the thing versus making, you know, a finite spot on a chart, the soul of the thing. Um, and by that, I mean the outcome. <laughs> All right. The next tool is a mantra. Actually, there's two versions of this mantra or an intention. Busyness is a state of mind. Fear is a state of mind. And I think this is an especially hard one to practice, especially when you are in a legit state of 
fear or you are super stressed out. But I will say it's a it's a nice reminder if you can muster it because I've just started practicing it myself myself and it's really helped because fear does not exist in reality. Busyness does not exist in reality. It's a perspective and it's an energy that we bring to just objective facts and objective objects and in other, you know, physical reality. And because of that, because it's our energy that we bring to it, we can change it and we can actually affect the way we experience time. So in the the next moment you feel overwhelmed because you feel too busy, for example, just try conjuring this idea. Busyness is a mental construct. I do not have to bring this energy to what I'm doing. I can approach what I'm doing with non-attachment, with calm indifference. And then things just become simple. They become finite. You are only doing one thing at a time. You can only do so many things in a day. How you choose to go about those things has a very big effect on how they objectively appear. So are you moving through your day in a frenzy or in a flow, in a dance, in a meditation of sorts? So you can think of your life like, you know, there's a waltz playing behind it. It's filling the air. Or you can think of it like there's a hardcore punk song (laughs) behind it. So one will slow the visuals and one will heighten the anxiety (laughs) and levels of energy. Um, So that's, that's that one. All right, the next tool is called jealousy reframe. And by that, I mean, like, I think of jealousy often as a mental compliment of sorts, but it's also when it's painful, I would say it's just misplaced energy. So that feeling of jealousy and resent towards someone else is often just a pushing away of fear, a fear of seeing ourselves as not good enough, a fear of feeling um, to small or like we failed somehow. And this feeling is one that is outdated. It's actually like, you know, this kind of, I don't know, teenage (laughs) feeling of fear of actually trying and failing or fear of being vulnerable to criticism, fear of putting ourselves out there and feeling like we didn't make it. So in that moment, if we can instead reframe it and see that, like, oh, if I'm jealous, like, oh, I'm actually, this is just really a fear, a fear of failure. That's such a more understandable emotion. And we can be much softer to it. We can be so much more compassionate with ourselves. It's like this, all of a sudden it becomes so sweet and squishy. And we can be like, oh, sweetie, it's okay. Just kind of like be with ourselves in that feeling. And that is how we can pass feelings much more easily. And we can let them move through us. We can release the feeling and get back to things that allow us to thrive and be more productive. All right, the next tool, superhero costume. So one thing that I often recommend to people who are still growing their creative voices and are very sensitive or vulnerable or insecure, maybe you suffer from self-doubt, one thing that's super helpful is to mentally wear the costume of someone else you admire and act as they would act, like take notes on their 
tactics, their style. And this is how we learn to do what we want to do. And I'm not saying plagiarize. Absolutely never plagiarize. I, I mean, use this as a mental structure to express your own voice just by acting as if, you know, almost like it's like a mental scaffolding to, you know, but whatever you will do will bear a new result. Um, so you can think of yourself like you're playing a character. So, so whoever this person is, like, what does that character do? How do they act? You can borrow their attitude, their confidence, not their content, but just their walk, you know? And this is how we can start to learn how to use our own voice. It's like a, it gives you a starting point, like a mold, a jello mold of sorts. Hope that made sense. So those are my tools. I very much hope they are helpful. Before I close, I want to thank my latest sponsors. Veronica on Patreon. Thank you so very much. And Nicole, a new sponsor via Yay With Me. Thank you so very much. Really appreciate it. If anyone has the means, uh, sponsors and donations really help the show. You can head to yaywithme.com or find me on Patreon. So in closing... One thing I've realized as I've gotten older is that my jealousy and my comparison self, um, as I've just grown to really enjoy what I do and as I've grown to be proud of myself, I've grown out of just that insecure self who was trying to protect me over the years. And that energy that was formerly, formerly jealousy has converted directly into love. And it's such a relief to have that, you know? I see others who are doing their thing and it's coming from a genuine place. And I say like, awesome, that's great. You go. I hope you are successful. And I get proud of them. I get excited for them. I get wowed by them versus I remember you, I used to very much default into fuck, fuck them. I'm better or Oh, I wish I did that. Like it was a kind of like a sourness. So this love that I experience now is an organic byproduct of doing just these gentle practices and kind of logic workarounds with myself. And I would say like the outcome is such a relief. You know, it feels like being able to come home to yourself. So I highly recommend it. I, I would say it's simple as simple as really working back through the logic sometimes like when any old feelings of jealousy or envy come up for me I look at them and I say oh what are you really though and that true underlying feeling the kid's feeling is usually totally understandable and I can then be compassionate toward it and immediately process it and then let it go so I hope some of these tools are helpful to you and I hope you all creatively thrive and I hope you get a greater sense of worthiness and I welcome whatever song it is you have to sing into this world and don't forget to smile
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.